the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Hello, this is Discover. And we take customer service very seriously. We know that if you have a question or concern about your credit card, that's a serious matter. And you need to talk to a real person about it. So we offer around-the-clock access to seriously talented representatives in the USA. Again, it's a serious endeavor. The only funny thing about it is Bob. If you call us and Bob answers, you're in for a treat. Get 100% U.S.-based customer service and talk to a real person day or night. Discover exceptionally common sense. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. A vast universe exists within and beyond our reality. What we realize with our five senses is but a tiny fraction of all that is real. The universe is not a product of matter and energy, but a projection of consciousness and energy. Welcome, my friends, to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and I'll be your guide and advocate as we remove the blinders of our everyday lives and experience together all that exists out there in the world beyond our world. Welcome to the show today, folks. This hour, we're going to be talking with Mary K. Greer. Mary is a, uh, a native of Nevada City, California, uh, who describes herself as an army brat who has lived all over the world, both as a child and now as an adult. Uh, Mary is an independent scholar, a writer, a teacher, and a professional tarot consultant. She has a master's degree, or a master's of arts in English literature from the University of Central Florida, where she first taught tarot in 1974. Until 1989, she was a teacher and administrator at the New College of California in San Francisco, where she taught tarot as an interdisciplinary subject, integrating art, literature, history, and psychology. Mary was a doctoral student at the California Institute of Integral Studies in East-West Psychology. And she left this when she decided to focus on writing tarot books. And she is the author of 11 books on tarot and magic. Her books have pioneered entirely new techniques for learning about and working with the cards including being the first to present in-depth techniques for reading oneself. In 2007, Mary received the International Tarot Lifetime Achievement Award from the Association for Tarot Studies and is a recent research partner in Le Tarot Associazione Culturale in Italy. She also received the 2006 Mercury Award from the Mary Redmond Foundation for Excellence in Communication in the Metaphysical Field and the 2006 Coalition of Visionary Resources Award for the Best Divination Book. She is also an ordained priestess in the Fellowship and Church of Isis. Mary has lived in Japan, Germany, England, and Mexico, and in six states within the continental U.S., she continues to travel around the world teaching. She currently produces Mary Kay Greer's tarot blog at http marygreer.wordpress.com, which focuses on tarot history and research, tarot and pop culture, and tips and techniques for reading the cards. 
So let us give us a big welcome to Mary Greer to the World Beyond Radio Show. How are you doing today, Mary? I'm doing well. I would uh, go over all of the publications that you've listed on the bio here for our readers, but uh, yeah, I would be here until uh, like another couple of hours. <laughs> Needless to say, I actually have two of your books, uh, The Tarot Court and uh, The Complete Book of Tarot Reversals, which I think are the two most difficult parts of trying to read cards uh, personally. So what is it that got you interested in doing this, and what is it that... Uh, that moved you into doing it professionally? That goes way back to the 60s where I was in college and I had just been introduced to the concepts of Carl Jung in psychology. Uh, then someone showed me um, a deck uh, and a book about it and I realized that the symbolism that Carl Jung talked about uh, was present in the cards and that I could actually relate it to things that were going on in that person's life. It became a sort of storytelling about uh, their life and uh, people kept telling me how amazing it was that I knew so much about them. So the whole thing intrigued me that uh, you could get right to the heart of what was going on uh, for that person immediately by using the cards. So in a in a time when there wasn't much of a career uh, doing this, uh, how did you make that leap to doing this professionally and earning a living of it? That took quite a few years. Uh, for one thing, there were very few books out at the time, so I taught myself to read the cards using what few books were around and a lot of people who let me read for them. Uh, but you know, making the jump to professional reader really took about seven years for me, whereas today uh, with classes, workshops, online facilities, uh, people can do that in a matter of months or a year or two. So uh, it was a slow process for me. I, I totally identify with that because it took me a while just from going from reading just uh, recreationally to actually really taking the leap to trying to do it professionally for people for uh, for money. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes. We have to go to our first break right now. My friends, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we are talking tarot with Mary Greer. Stay tuned. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere. 24-7-365. Foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, 
and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello, I'm Pete Marsh. With my daughter Justina, we will be presenting the new radio show, Too Good To Be True. If something seems too good to be true, it usually is. But with the help of Justina's amazing gifts, we're going to gain insight into questions that don't yet have complete answers. Have you wondered who built Stonehenge and for what reason? Why are crop circles found in the same region as Stonehenge and elsewhere? Are crop circles a hoax or are they created with technologies that we have little knowledge of? Who built the pyramids in Egypt and also in other countries? How and why were they built? Was the Titanic switched with the Britannic as part of a gigantic insurance fraud or for more insidious reasons? What caused the Tunguska event when trees were flattened over an 800 square mile area in Siberia? Will the new insights be too good to be true? Well, that will depend on what you are prepared to believe. Please join us as we start on this journey together. For more information on Too Good To Be True, visit www.xzbn.net. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at Songs and Stories for Soul. Soldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. Welcome back, my friends, to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and this hour we are talking uh, tarot cards and professional reading with tarot professional Mary Greer. Uh, Mary, there's a lot of debate on where the cards actually came from. Uh, you know, I've read books that say they started in Italy, and uh, other sources say they came from Romanian gypsies passing through that area and then landing in France. And others say it even goes back to ancient Egypt. What's your take on it? Where, where, did, where did cards actually really start in this fashion that we know today? It's pretty clear that they started in uh, northern Italy around 1420 to 1440. There was a lot of experimentation with the idea of a Trump suit that um, uh, would win games over the regular four suits that had already been in existence for at least 50 years, possibly as many as 100 years before that. So um, it, it wasn't that they appeared overnight by one person in the form that we know there were a lot of experiments. I've been to northern Italy several times with uh, groups of people who were researching tarot. I've also been to Egypt uh, with people uh, who were researching tarot and have looked in both places to see where any of the imagery comes. And it's very clear that it's right there in Italy at the, the time. You can see all the images um, around uh, in the northern Italian towns from exactly that period as well as the first decks that we have. So it's actually the concept is about six or 700 years old instead of maybe going back thousands of years in. In terms of having the specific 22 major arcana images that we have, yes. Now, of course, divination's been around in a lot of different forms um, and the conceptual frameworks are there but uh, not as the set of cards that we call the tarot. That came from Italy. Now, did the cards start out? Um, the, I've read some sources that say that the, uh, the tarot cards started off as a playing deck 
and had some of the images and symbolism and things on them as as uh, you know they began, but then kind of evolved into the uh, the psychology that we have today with that. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, at the beginning, it was just a playing card game. And there's a few mentions of people using some of the cards in witchcraft and um, possibly divination, but very, very few, um, mostly with playing cards, uh, that there was a possibility of divination until the end of the 18th century. In the 1780s and 90s, uh, there came to be the idea that these cards were actually from Egypt and uh, were an ancient divinatory system, and that caught on like wildfire. Now, is that how or when the uh, the, the gypsy fortune teller type thing, you know, took off and, and basically almost took over tarot for a couple hundred years? Is that where that began, or is that a, a different uh, uh, catalyst altogether? That's when it began, because those first people talked about how the gypsies had brought the cards from Egypt with the idea that the gypsies were Egyptian. That's where we get the name rather than calling them the Ram. And as we know today, that they actually came from India. Uh, but interestingly, that uh, the gypsies did arrive in Europe around the same time that the tarot was being developed, which uh, lent a lot of uh, support to that idea. Uh, but the, the cards, so it was really an invention uh, in France uh, by a man named Antoine Cour de Jablin. And he's the one who said that the cards um, came from Egypt, that the gypsies brought them, and that they were related to Kabbalah, to the Jewish mystical system of uh, the symbolism of the Hebrew letters as associated with the astrological signs. So it all came together at once. That's that's pretty fascinating because most of the decks uh, today that uh, take themselves seriously, seriously blend so many different facets into their uh, symbolism and design, pulling elements from numerology and astrology and psychology and Jungian uh, philosophy and psychology. At what point did all of this start blending together where it wasn't just one type of system anymore, but it was a blending of all different kinds of things? The Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn had a big role in that because they were synchronous. They brought um, all the different correspondences used in magic together in a single unified system. And so most of us today in the English-speaking world use the um, set of correspondences devised by the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn when we read the cards and associate with them. Uh, the French uh, use a different system, but they also make the correspondence between the Hebrew letters, the astrological signs, and the tarot. They just don't have as uh, broad a correspondence system as the Golden Dawn did. Uh, the addition of the Jungian material uh, really got underway in the late 60s when a lot of people were reading the work of Carl Jung and saw in these images the same things that he was that Jung was talking about. And of course, Carl Jung worked a lot with alchemical symbolism, which the Golden Dawn also integrated into their correspondence system. Exactly. So... With that in mind, with it being so broad and, and pulling in from so many different kinds of sources and, type, and types of uh, divinatory uh, methods, what gives credence to some of the really outlandish tarot decks that we see out there today? You know, the the kitty cat decks and the zebra decks, and uh, you know, <laughs> we've, I mean, we've got we've got just about everything out there. Almost everybody can make or create a set of tarot cards, but most of their meanings are basically pulled back to that particular theme. What do we make of those kinds of things? Uh, I don't actually use those decks, but I've seen plenty of people who get wonderful readings from them. Um, so there's there's different ways that you can read the cards. One is that you can have a set of meanings and an understanding for uh, the tarot and work with any deck. 
The other system is to work directly with the pictures on the cards and uh, do projective storytelling in a way, um, added in perhaps with some uh, psychic and intuitive abilities. So um, you can work with any deck at all and uh, find that there's associations that can be made um, either by a system that you've set up or your own uh, concept of um, uh, the the art and uh, the pictures of the time. I have worked uh, occasionally with um, a variety of decks. I keep going back to the Rider Waite is what I'm trying to say, uh, which is a deck that was created in 1909. And uh, the creators, um, uh, Arthur Edward Waite, was uh, very much into the symbolism of the Golden Dawn and earlier symbolism, alchemy, and so on. Uh, and Pamela Coleman-Smith, the artist, was an amazing, intuitive, uh, even psychic artist. I actually use the uh, the Radiant uh, Rider Waite cards myself because I really love the colors. Some of them look like they were done with uh, like colored pencil or something, but these are really, really vibrant and colorful, and they really kind of hit me. Yeah, and that's important, really, to have that uh, personal association. Most decks today are based on the Rider Waite deck, at least the ones uh, produced in English-speaking countries. Mm-hmm. A lot of uh, tarot books kind of all start off the same way. You know, chapter one, they tell you, okay, don't concentrate on card meanings. Don't worry about card meanings. Just forget about that. Look at the cards and see what you think about it. And then the rest of the chapters of the book are, okay, here's all the card meanings. <laughs> so, so how do we get away from that? How do we, how do we look at both of those approaches? Well, I think it's really important to do both approaches. Uh, that's kind of my background and, and what I teach. I think it's a lifelong education process uh, that you're involved with with the cards if you're really serious about them because the world of symbolism uh, that's encoded in, in the cards is never ending in terms of a, a wealth and richness of understanding historically, artistically, uh, psychologically. Um, but we also need to develop that storytelling ability uh, that um, draws on our intuitive uh, connection with another human being. Uh, the, the cards are triggers to that process. And so we need both. We need the, the structure and we need that letting go of structure. So it's a dance back and forth, actually, if you really want to be a good reader. I also agree. You know, I I, I work at a, a booth during the summer times on Saturdays at a big uh, a farmer's market bazaar with a bunch of merchants and, and uh, vendors and all that come out there. And a lot of farmers and, and food trucks will come out. And so this is where I do most of my readings. And people will obviously approach the table and, you know, ask the silly questions like, you know, am I going to tell them their fortune or am I going to, you know, tell them they're going to die in two weeks of cancer or some, you know, stupid stuff like that. And what I try to convince people is that tarot is simply psychology with pictures. What mm -hmm. do you think of that? I think that the cards can be looked at completely from a psychological perspective in terms of uh, what they call projection, which is that you uh, project your own insights and intuition onto the pictures and, uh, and then, we, as I said, weave the story. But the interesting thing is with over 50 years that I've been doing this, the fact is cards come up over and over again that specifically relate to the very thing that the person asked about or just mentioned <laughs> when they were uh, saying what their issue was. And so there's an element to me that seems to go beyond the psychological, even if, um, you know, it wants to be, people want to reduce it to just that kind of, uh, more scientific perspective of it's simply projection. It can be simply projection, but something else seems to slip in there. I agree. I've actually, uh, you know, read four or five people in a row and the same card will pop up, but it will mean something different to every person sitting at that table. And, you know, one, one particular client, it'll mean this, but whenever the next person sits down, that card will pop up and it will have a totally different uh, focus and, and output. Exactly. 
So how do you approach uh, a reading where someone sits down and they don't give you a particular issue that they're wanting to address? They just want to sit down and say, just give me a general reading. And you kind of feel like they're just wanting to test you. How do you approach that in your reading? Well, there's two things going on there. One is the testing, and it just depends on the person. There's a few people who can block anything that you try to do. Others um, will be open to the process. Uh, but when they uh, don't have a specific question, I ask, um, ask them to ask in their own mind the all-purpose question, what do I most need to look at in my life right now? And then the first two cards that I put down in what's called a Celtic cross spread represent the heart of the issue. And those two cards always focus in immediately on something that's very much in the forefront of their lives. I've never seen that fail. Outstanding. I, I don't really have a whole lot of uh, uh, experience with the Celtic Cross, but we're about ready to go to a break and uh, perhaps we can get with that whenever we come back from the other side of the break. Uh, friends, you are listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and we are talking tarot readings with our special guest, Mary Greer. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. And I want to tell you about a great provision for those interested in spiritual evolution and personal empowerment. Find Your Path Home Shamanic Art Center is your resource for reliable, leading-edge information, education, and healing. Offering our brand new online galactic shamanism classes, long-distance shamanic healing performed by Path Home Shamanic Art School certified shamanic practitioners, and the Science of Magic's topic-driven radio episode collections, where I interview today's leading experts on science and magic. All of this designed to inform, support, and empower you through these changing times. Visit us and all we have to offer at findyourpathhome.com. That's findyourpathhome.com. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Nemology Science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Nemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com.
Hello, I'm Justina Marsh, and with my dad, Pete, we are going to present a new show called Too Good to Be True. Together, we are aiming to discover more truths about this world and beyond. Do you have unanswered questions about the world? Do you ever wonder about aliens, conspiracy theories, or the universe? There are many shows discussing subjects such as pyramids or UFOs, but we want to relay this information based on our own research, including from spiritual means. Hopefully, listeners will be helped with their own beliefs and will appreciate the psychic insights that add to the previous research and information. We both look forward to sharing this insight and beginning this journey with our listeners. Visit xzbn.net for more information about when to listen. Welcome back to the World Beyond Radio Show, my friends. I'm your host, Joe Weijin, and we are talking tarot with Mary Greer, a real tarot professional in talent and trade. Uh, Mary, could you describe the uh, Celtic cross and how it works? Uh, I often say to people that uh, you can do an entire lifetime as a professional reader with only two basic spreads. One is a three-card spread that uh, can have various meanings, but usually is past, present, future. And the other is what is called the um, Celtic cross spread or the ancient Celtic spread. Uh, first appeared in a book by uh, Arthur Edward Waite when his uh, deck came out in 1909 and 1910. Anyway, the, uh, that's a 10-card spread or 11 cards if you use a significator, a card that represents the person that's placed down on the table first. Then you lay 10 cards uh, around it, uh, two cards directly over that significator in the center. I call that the heart. Then there's a card below that that center cross, a card to the left of it, a card above, a card to the right, and four cards up the side. Uh, each of those cards, ha um, or positions, has a meaning. And so you're integrating the question itself, the position meaning in the spread, and the card that falls into that position. And uh, it's actually uh, a series of three and four card spreads because you've got a past, present, future. You've got a um, conscious or mind card, the heart in the middle, and then you have what's more unconscious, deeply seated or the root of the situation, and then a path of probability up the side. So there's probability in terms of the direction a person is going to take based on where they've come from in their particular issue. So without getting into what each card um, position means, I hope that gives an overview. <laughs> Outstanding. I, I just, personally for me, I never really, I guess I never did it enough to become comfortable with it, but uh, it's, uh, I just don't use it much. I usually use a three card spread and then if it's for an hour reading or whatever, I'll do like a nine card spread and I'll start crossing the cards with each other as opposed to doing the Celtic cross. So mm -hmm. our, our next big question is how can one read for themselves and why is it so difficult? <laughs> it's not actually that difficult except as we make it so. And part of it is our own laziness because to read for yourself, you, uh, really takes a bit of discipline if you're going to get the most out of it. Uh, those of us who are really familiar with the cards can ask a question, quickly lay out the cards and get an impression whether they're favorable or not. You know, oh, good, everything's going my way, or oh, no, what's this problem? Let me draw another card and see if that will fix it. <laughs> um, so uh, we don't often do the depth of reading that we will do for someone else. And that makes a big difference because if you spend time really looking at the cards and interacting with them, uh, you'll find that they start opening out, out to great depths. So I wrote my first book, Tarot for Yourself, with a lot of processes and things that you can do to get deeper into the cards for yourself and make it fun, kind of a, an exploration, uh, self-development, um, and uh, self-understanding process. 
I often read for myself because, you know, we all have issues that are going on uh, daily and different things that, that we're focusing on or things that are happening to, with, or around us. But, uh, you know, I think I fall into the same trap that everyone falls into about just wanting to see the best out of any situation, even if it's a, a card that normally kind of has a, a, a more negative meaning or a meaning of challenge. Uh, how, how do we get around that? Um, by sitting down and really uh, going through the basic meanings. That's where uh, knowing your card meanings can come in really handy, where you discipline yourself to state uh, the core keywords of the card and then begin addressing them and turning them into questions. So if you've got a card that says that um, your uh let's say the traditional meaning of the seven of swords is uh, a thief stealing. You can ask, what am I stealing in this situation? What am I trying to get away with? And then really seriously try to answer that question. So it's not necessarily that it's a bad card. Sometimes uh, that's the best that can be done in a particular situation to get away with something um, we all do that all the time. It's not evil. Uh, and we need to get away from that idea that even a problematic card is evil. It's what is on some level. And in understanding it, we might see other options or we might understand and have deeper compassion for ourselves in doing the best we can. How do you relieve someone's initial uh, recoiling reaction whenever they see a card with some pretty vivid imagery like the uh, the Three of Swords or the uh, the Death card or the Tower or, or something like that that, you know, they see it and they just, just shrivel in fear? How do you reassure them about the cards? Well, it's one reason why I love doing face-to-face -face readings where um, I can even do it on Skype video, but uh, being with somebody because I ask them to stay with that response and to tell me what's going on in them because that's the key to what is happening in their situation. Their body knows before their mind does what the whole situation is about. So when somebody sees a scary card, the three of swords that has three swords piercing a heart, um, they know that there's some kind of uh, heartbreak, heart pain, um, sorrow going on. And their body immediately goes to that place of memory of the last time when uh, that was uh, prominent in their lives. And so I want them to get in touch with that situation uh, that their body is responding to. Um, I read the whole person in relation to the cards. So yeah, I had a question. Then when you started answering your uh, going into you, you changed something and I lost my question I was going to ask there. How often do you sit down with somebody and you're just about ready to read them and the first card that comes up, you know that the reading is not about them, but somebody else, it's somebody else that may be connected to them, but it's not about how it's affecting them. It's about somebody else in their world. And that whole reading just takes off in that direction. That, that doesn't happen to me that it's maybe happened. Oh, I would say a couple of times in the whole 50 years. So part of it is your own intention, what you yourself as the reader perhaps um, draw to you, uh, maybe for your own learning. But in the few times that that happens, uh, it's often because the client themselves is very uh, psychic, very intuitive themselves, and they are... Um, channeling that energy they are carrying that energy so i'm concerned about the client that's sitting in front of me and uh if that's going on then that's a lot for them to have to carry around the fact that they're feeling other people's experiences and i want to um, help them uh, deal with that um, it's not really my place, um, and ethically, I am a little concerned about shifting the reading to uh, someone who hasn't given permission to be read. It's a little bit like looking in a window um, and <laughs> on someone who hasn't given permission. 
even if uh, the events surrounding that person directly affect the uh, the client in front of you? That's where I go. How is it affecting the client in front of me? Uh, for instance, a woman came in and asked immediately about her husband who um, had been out of work for a long time and then about her daughter who was in prison and was she going to be getting out in the next couple of months. <clears throat> and I said, I'm sorry, I, I can't read about them. Um, I would like to do this reading about your concerns about them and all that you're carrying and what you can do to help them the most. And she started crying because nobody had ever asked her in her life what she felt and how she was handling all of these things and to be there as a support for her in her dealings with her out-of-work husband and her daughter in jail. <laughs> so I try to be there as much as possible for the client, but to, to help them with their real-world issues. Um, of sometimes dealing with very, very difficult um, things that are going on for other people in their life. It's not about the other person. And that's the reason why I say that it's psychology with pictures, because it's it, for me, it's just uh, helping people where they are, right? Yes, exactly. So what is your response to people who have just this innate fear of, of tarot? I've, I've actually seen people uh, physically pull uh, family members away from my, uh, my canopy while I'm at the uh, bazaar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've, I've actually heard people say, get away from that. You don't want that. How, how do we break that fear barrier as readers to, to get people to understand that, you know, this is not the devil or satanic or whatever people think it is? Um, I don't think we uh, can, uh, in most cases, break other people of those fears. That's uh, something that in, you know, five minutes, we're probably not going to make uh, that kind of change. Um, if you've uh, had the opportunity to have a real in-depth conversation with someone and go through all the things, you might be able to open them up a little bit because of the history of tarot. It did come out of a you know, Roman Catholic um, environment and was an expression of their core values. So, um, you know, it's possible to um, teach someone about those, those things. But what I find when uh, there's someone who's really afraid that it's the work of the devil is that I really don't want them around my cards because they're the ones who are bringing the devil into it. Uh, they're the ones who are uh, making the cards into something fearful. In the world that I live in with the people I know who uh, read the cards, that's not a part of them at all. They are uh, the most benevolent and helpful uh, tools that I can possibly imagine. And uh, I, I don't want that kind of mindset anywhere near my cards. <laughs> Um, so, but I am uh, sympathetic with the idea that there are members of a family who are uh, feel naturally drawn uh, to these cards or uh, simply need help and assistance that they're not getting from anywhere else and they're willing to reach out to anything um, it, beyond their normal sphere. So I certainly will, um, you know, do readings for people who are open and aren't bringing that negativity uh, to the table. Whenever you uh, start a reading, do you have the client uh, shuffle the cards or touch them in any way to get some of their energy in them? You know, along those lines that you were just talking about. Yes, I definitely uh, prefer it when the client uh, shuffles the cards. Of course. Um, okay, well, online. I'm going to have to yeah. cut off that answer for just a moment. We do have sure. to cut away for a break. My friends, you're listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. Stay tuned for more with Mary Greer. We'll be right back. Are you curious? Do you want to learn more about how the world works and have fun at the same time? 
Study coincidences with me, Dr. Bernie Beitman, MD, on my Connecting with Coincidence radio show here on the XZBN network. Listen to Jungians theorize, statisticians randomize, true believers evangelize, while I categorize. I dance to the rhythm of coincidences. People who experience me see more of them. Maybe something on the show matches a thought in your mind. Let us know. Expand your mind to the weirdness happening around you. Synchronicity spoken here, there, and everywhere. For more information, put Connecting with Coincidence in your search engine and find my website, my social media sites, and my blog. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. True healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, Soul Balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A Soul Balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. There's a legend shared by many indigenous cultures of a time when the nations were cast to the four corners of the world. Each nation was given a body of sacred knowledge that held a different portion of the truth to preserve. True reality could not be known until all the nations reunited, combining the information. If a single one was missing, the world could not be reborn and darkness would prevail. The Science of Magic Radio is dedicated to reuniting the sacred knowledge. With the understanding, none of us has all the answers, but together we can open new perceptions and possibilities. Through our combined vision, the world can be reborn into a place where darkness no longer prevails. Join me, Gwilda Wiecka, and the Science of Magic daily on the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, or visit us at thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome back, my friends, to the final segment of the World Beyond Radio Show. As always, I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and our show is produced and distributed by the ever-expanding leader in New Age, Paranormal, Alternative Health, and Supernatural Programming, the X-Zone Broadcast Network, and Relmar McConnell Media Company at their corporate headquarters and master control in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. 
To learn more about the World Beyond Radio Show, your host, or to discover a ever-expanding wealth of other amazing shows and their hosts, please visit www.xzbn.net. To contact me or to inquire about being a guest on the World Beyond, please email me at joewegent. That's Joe, W-E-I-G-A-N-T, at xzbn.net. For more information, you can visit my websites, www.paranormalpeace.com and www.reikichoice, that's R-E-I-K-I, choice.com. Our guest this hour is Mary Kay Greer, and she can be reached at her website, Mary Greer, that's Mary, G-R-E-E-R, dot WordPress, dot com. Mary, is there any other way that our uh, listeners can reach you or get a hold of you or subscribe to your blog? Uh, that's the best way. Go there, you can subscribe, and there's a way to contact me on the site. Perfect. So when we left, we talked about uh, using the client's energy to, to aid in a reading. And you know, when I used to hand my cards over to a client and just say, you know, shuffle the cards while you're thinking about your issue. And then whenever they would hand them back or they would cut them or whatever, then I would start the reading. But I found people just started manhandling my cards. So I quit doing <laughs> that because I didn't like the way people were, you know, they were doing these uh uh, split shuffles and all kinds of other stuff with my cards. I didn't like it. And uh, mm -hmm. so I just, I basically, I will shuffle the cards while they're discussing their issue and then place them on the table and let them cut the cards into as many stacks as they like and then restack them in any order. And then when I pick them up, I'm getting their energy and, and what's going on with them and I can start the reading. How do you go about it? Um, I like to have the client shuffle the cards, but I understand what you mean. I've got a favorite deck that has henna all over it from a fair where the henna pattern hadn't dried on the person's hands yet. Oh, so, uh, yeah. Uh, so I certainly understand, but um, uh, it works just as well the way you do it, I, I feel. Um, I just like the process. And also you learn a lot about a person from the way that they shuffle the cards. <laughs> I've got a, a set of cards that I, I can no longer use anymore because people started mashing them together and cramming them up and, and doing just all kinds of things. And I keep saying, just shuffle them the way I started. And then well, I just can't use them anymore because they just really look kind of beat up. So, <laughs> Yeah. And some people really like those beat up decks. It looks, you know, something old and mysterious. I, I have a friend who's used the same deck for, oh, it must be going on 20 years. And it's about three times the size of uh, any other deck by that uh, public, you know, publisher uh, because it's uh, gotten so worn and, and um, so much air has gotten into it as the uh, layers have split on the cardboard. Oh, yeah. I saw an article a few years ago where a guy actually uh, uh, promoted trimming the uh, the borders off of the cards where just the picture was all that was left of the card. And I, I just couldn't bring myself to cut up a good set of cards that way. I've done it to a couple of decks and it can be really amazing, especially with the um, Thoth deck or Toth deck. Um, it, because uh, you lay that against a velvet cloth backing and the colors of the cards just uh, radiate out rather than having that little white border around them. Uh, but I've only done it with, I think, two or three decks. Yeah. So speaking of decks, whenever you're doing a reading, and I, I've seen people do this and I've done it a couple of times, um, when you're using your standard uh, rider weight or whatever deck that you 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 call home at this point, do you ever bring any uh, like oracle decks in, like the you know, Ascended Masters oracle deck or the Angels or you know some other kind of uh, card deck to kind of bring in to reemphasize what you're doing? I sometimes bring the uh, Lenormand deck, which is a originally a German deck from the the late. Um, 1700s is when it first emerged uh, 36 cards and it's very good at answering quite specific questions uh, finding lost objects uh, finding out you know yes or no questions you know 
will I pass the test? Uh, you know, will I get the money? <laughs> so I will often use it at the end of a reading uh, if there's still something hanging on or occasionally there's uh, a perfect question that those cards are good at dealing with. I don't usually use um, other oracle decks in my professional tarot readings, but I enjoy playing around with the oracles with friends. If you're like any other tarot uh, professional that I know of, uh, I, I know a friend of mine who probably has two to three hundred decks and still uses the same two or three decks with every reading. How many decks uh, do you have and how many of them did you buy just because you had to have them even though you knew you would never read with them? <laughs> I have probably close to 2,000 decks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, it's been over 50 years, and uh, at various times I've been given uh, quite a few decks by different publishers, both for reviewing and just because they were kind enough to give me decks. Um, and uh, I also like to support a lot of the deck creators. Uh, it's a wonderful creative medium in its own right, and uh, I, I want to... Um, uh, let them know that their efforts are appreciated, even if I only read with the deck a couple of times. I saw a deck a few years ago that was done by an artist, and he did the entire deck in kind of like a uh, black paint brushstroke type of thing. And he had taken, um, I, I believe it was children's nursery rhymes, the old original uh, Grimm stories. And had drawn them in a very frightening and scary way. And when you're looking at the ad on the internet, it just looks like a really intriguing deck. But I know that I would never use that in a reading. I could not bring that deck out and, and sit down with a client and read off of that. But also, it's one of those things where I just don't want to pay the money just to have it sit on the shelf either. So... Exactly. But, you know, in writing books, I like to reference a lot of decks and... Uh, like I say, just see what the art itself evokes um, and support the artistic creation. But I do find that a lot of decks are more about the person's own psyche, the creator's psyche. And I don't really want to do a reading that's uh, messing around in their heads. That's the way I feel. It's you know, with their stuff. <laughs> well, a, a lot of the decks are also uh, so theme-driven Mm -hmm. that they may not apply to a lot of situations, but they're really cool because they, you know, they, they have a particular theme involved with them and, you know, they're nice to own, but you, they, they might not be something you want to read for other people is what I think, but. Yeah. And each person is so individual because I've found that uh, if a person really resonates with a deck, even a deck that just doesn't make sense to me, that they can often do fantastic readings because there's some kind of chemistry that happens with them in the deck, even if I can't make heads or tails of the deck myself. So there are some people around and, and I've heard of a few people, even in my area that uh, they will offer uh, reasonably priced readings. But before you leave their studio, uh, you've spent $300 on oils and candles and uh, other things to get rid of curses that are now attached to you and all this other kinds of things. And they use the readings to get people to come in so they can upcharge them on gimmicks mm -hmm. while scaring them into believing that something is drastically uh, uh, either wrong with them or connected to them or attached to them somehow and then victimizing these people uh, financially. Yeah. How does a person who's looking for a, a real honest reading find one in this, this, this soup of uh, greed out there? Uh, well, just what you said, as soon as someone asks for something in, um, you know, financial or some com compensation for something additional to the reading, um, I suggest that uh, the client walks away. Uh, you, there may be a situation where the person was really, you know, being very honest about it, but in too many cases, it's a fraud, uh, situation. And if you look around every field, whether it's medical, legal, um, you know, home sales, whatever it is, 
there are people with fraud scams everywhere in every field. So doing your homework, um, going and getting recommendations from a local bookstore uh, or other people, uh, going to uh, a good quality psychic fair. Uh, usually they're going to get rid of anybody very quickly who tries something like that uh, because they have to keep their reputation up. You know, an ongoing psychic fair that's been uh, happening every year. They're not going to stand for that. Um, so... It's up to the individual, just like every other field, uh, to beware. Outstanding. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, you know, there's fraud. And like you said, there's fraud everywhere, and everybody's out to make a buck instead of trying to make a change. And it's exactly. it, it's it's horrible. But I really appreciate having you on the show today, and uh, I hope we can do this again sometime. My friends, you have been listening to the World Beyond Radio Show. I'm your host, Joe Wegent, and we'll be back again with some more exciting things every time we come to see you in your computer or radio or cell phone. Please have a great day, folks, and we'll see you again. <laughs>